following podcast is a production of Radio Felician, the voice of Felician University of New Jersey and the home of alternative rock done right. Available via iHeartRadio. Tune in, the Radio Felician app, and at RadioFelician.com. Radio Felician University. Welcome to the Bergen Line Community Conversations, a podcast series from Felician University and the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office where the students of Felician engage the members of the prosecutor's office on topics important to the people of Bergen County. Welcome to the Bergen Line. Welcome back to the Bergen Line Community Conversations. I'm Stephanie Moore, continuing our conversation with Bergen County Prosecutor Mark Musella. We pick it up with Prosecutor Musella talking about the changing approach to officer training in Bergen County. When a police officer gets called down on a call, they don't know what they're going to, right? They, they get to a call, and it could be someone there with a knife. It could be someone there experiencing a mental health crisis. It could be someone there that's all cracked up on cocaine or opioids. So they really don't know what they're going to encounter, and they're asked to do so much more now. They may have to deploy no, uh, a Norcan on a moment's notice. They have to maybe deal with someone in a mental health crisis on a moment's notice. So, you know, we, we, we constantly, I believe, have the best police officers in Bergen County because we constantly train them. All 3,000 police officers in Bergen County were trained last year in active by, with something called ICAT ABLE training, which was active bystander training and de-escalation training. So with the active bystander training after the George Floyd murder, all Bergen County police officers have been trained that if they come upon a scene where a fellow officer is using excessive force, they have an obligation, and they've been trained now to basically de-escalate that situation, pull that officer off, stop that excessive force from being used. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they can be charged with the u- using excessive force as an accomplice. Okay. De-escalation techniques is basically working with CIT, working with our mental health professionals, trying to go, and this is taught at the CIT training that I've gone to and watched, like verbal judo, try to, try to de-escalate the situation. Instead of escalate the situation, again, you're going to come upon someone with a knife or a gun, try to talk to that person, try to get to to that person to drop the knife, drop the gun. It's going to be okay. And no matter how long it'll take, they will talk to that person, even if it means kind of retreating. In the old days, it was basically a person comes at you with mm-hmm. a knife, he, uh, he, police officer has to protect shoot, himself and he, he can shoot, shoot them, them, right? But we don't want to do that now. If, if we can, If we can work no matter how long it takes, it may take one hour, it may take three hours, it may take uh, 24 hours. And we'll get the right people there, crisis negotiators, mental health experts, and we'll try and de-escalate that situation and save a person's life. So the officers have been trained in that as well. And then finally, we trained all 3,000 officers in, in um, resiliency training. Officers uh, go through all these things that I've just described to you that are difficult events, traumatic events. And they do it day after day, day after day for, mm-hmm. for sometimes 25, 30 years. And I learned this from speaking to Dr. Slosser, who we brought in to, to teach the in-service training. That when you deal with trauma day after day for 25, 30 years, it's not something where now I retired, I can now get some help and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to get help along the way. You have to be able to talk to somebody about it. And, That's really... and so now we talk, we have resiliency officers embedded in the police departments to actually walk around and try and, and see like telltale warning signs, right? Like someone was like really into uh, 
was always dressed well. Now he's coming in, maybe he's not dressed well. Or someone was going to the gym, and now he's not going to the gym. Or somebody, uh, he collected uh, memorabilia from the Yankees, and now he's giving it away. So, like, these are signs that maybe maybe something's not right in that person's life. And maybe now this officer will, will talk to them. And we're trying to get rid of the stigma. Police officers who are these superheroes, right? Supermen. Mm-hmm. I don't need, I, I'll deal with it. I'll go to the bar and deal with it. Well, that's a problem, too, right? We want now. Do you need somebody to talk to? Maybe maybe you need some counseling. And we're trying to get the stigma, take that stigma away to tell police officers it's okay to get help. And right. we're trying to now maybe even do something where we're going to have all officers that have to mandatorily go once a year to see someone for help mentally. Because I want to put physically fit officers on the road, right? If an officer has a broken arm, I don't send them out. I let them sit home three months and heal, right? Right. Same thing with someone that may be in a mental health crisis. Maybe they have an alcohol problem. Maybe they're having problems in their marriage. Maybe they're having some financial problems. That's not an officer that really should be on the road Um, either, right? So let's give that officer time to get treatment and heal and and be mentally well and mentally fit. And that's the officers we want to put on the road because if an officer's not physically and mentally fit, that's when it'll just add on and then, yeah. And then it'll just, yeah. So these are are all things we're doing to, again, to try and better serve our community. I'm out almost every day. I, I was talking to high school kids again about a career in law enforcement or a career in government and just trying to encourage them, like just tell them, listen, like you, why, I tell them my story. Like if I could do it and I could be here, then, then so can you. And it's just about really staying in school and working hard. And then I tell them how, you know, we want our police force and our prosecutor's office to be diverse like the community that, that Bergen County is. Bergen mm-hmm. County is one of the most diverse communities in the, in the state, if not the country. So, you know, we're looking for young Spanish-speaking police officers. We're looking for young African-American officers. We're looking for people that speak Arabic. We're looking for Asian-Americans. We, we want all types of people because, yep. because they, come to the, uh, they come to the table and they bring a different viewpoint, right? They bring a different skill set. They bring a different outlook. This is the Bergen Line. Community Conversations. I tell everybody the story of, um, you may not appreciate this, but we have an investigator in our office named uh, Dorian Dawson. And Dorian is now a detective in our office. And uh, the way he came to us, kind of a story that I like to tell because it kind of shows, you know, we, we not only are we looking for diverse people to join our ranks, but what someone from a different background will bring to us because it's a different viewpoint that maybe not necessarily, you know, I would, would get to or I would think uh, about. So, during the, the George Floyd protests, Dorian was a Black Lives Matter protest organizer. Mm-hmm. And uh, early on in, in the protests, we, uh, we, we, didn't, we saw what happened in New York City. We didn't want that happening here, right? Right. We didn't want looting. We didn't want assaults going on, attacks on police officers. We didn't want that. So we reached out, my chief and I. Uh, I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, what, what we did? Yeah. <laughs> Well, what you saw was on the news, right? I mean, uh, in New York. Yeah, uh, more or less, because uh, I live in Patterson. I've seen a little bit of okay. it in Patterson, but it didn't like erupt into like the community. It was more like talk on social media as far as I could see. But uh, yeah, but that drive that um, that people have, uh, that anger that builds up from seeing something like that and reverting into something more positive is a good target to, to de-escalate their emotions because it's more of an uh, emotional traumatic experience from from my experience and also from like personal experience and other views that I have spoke to about it and there are like you know multiple situations that are uh, equivalent to the George Floyd case 
So a lot of people have their opinion on how law enforcement should uh, approach things. But with being a criminal justice major, I do and taking policing, I know the do's and don'ts Mm -hmm. and also what police officers have to go through. I want everybody to get along more or less and to for just to be like a common ground because everybody wants to be safe. Mm-hmm. Either way, nobody wants to see anyone die, get killed, or any way or that shape or form, no matter what color, what race, what background, and what state it is. If it's across the country, it still hits home here. Sure. So a lot of people have, like, you know, their own opinion, but personally, it's more or less for me is that I think it is really important for all those things that you mentioned about the police officers getting the mental stability yep. that they have because you may not know that they had some, they may have had marriage problems or their child had did something in school or their family member just died and now they're going and they're going in and they're patrolling and they have those emotions still mm-hmm. on the inside. So if someone may give them like, you know, a cocky attitude instead of de-escalating it and resulting into like, hey, I'm the police officer. I have the authority and I have to play a certain role. They may think they not may think, but they, it may result to the total opposite because of the emotions that they are dealing with. It will result into a whole different situation that will potentially erupt on social media and it'll be like, oh, this officer should have did this. And not to make excuses for anyone because everybody goes through everything, but it's just about the triggers that we all have and acknowledging the triggers that we are all human and that we have triggers. So approaching it as to prevent those things from happening in our community and in our state is tremendous and highly applauded because no one wants to see those things happen in Jersey. Right, right. As so, far as like, I don't want to see it at all. But if it would be in Jersey, it's like it's already home in the sense of emotions. But I do favor the fact that I don't have to see that. And I have African, uh, because I'm African-American, I have a younger brother who is 20 and I have a brother that is seven. So especially my um my younger brother he speaks on being um going to the military and things like that but the boys at school tell him that if he does he is bullied for that because it's like why would you want to serve this country right. and things like that so it's hard to get a feel for why someone like me would want to work with the police department why are you studying criminal justice and sometimes people think that oh you're going to study criminal justice to to help my people yes but not to give them excuses well like what i'm trying what you're saying it makes a lot of sense and what i see what you're saying is basically the story that i was about to tell you like it's like you want to join the police because you bring something to the table you bring a different viewpoint a different different experience a life experience to the table something that i don't have right we're different so, but what you bring to the table makes me think differently as well. It makes me then think outside the box and maybe serve the community better and differently. And the story with the Dorian Dawson was he was a Black Lives Matter protester. And what we did in Bergen was, again, we thought outside the box. And this idea came from my chief and some of my administration. It was like, we don't want what happened in New York to happen here. So how can we do that? What we did was we called all the Black Lives protest organizers. We called all the mayors and we called all the police chiefs and we got them all into one room. So when there was going to be a, a protest in Hackensack, we had the, the Hackensack protest, Black Lives Matter protesters, the chief and the police and myself and my chief. And we went into a room where at that some of it was on Zoom. And we said to them, listen, and, and some of the mayors, you know, police chiefs had to be convinced, but they everybody went into an open mind. And the whole idea was, listen, you are, it's your right to protest and we want you to protest. And we want to give you everything you need to protest peacefully. 
So the agreement was you protest and we will help you. What do you need? You want, you need the, those roads closed? We'll give you that. You want to march on the courthouse steps? We'll give you that. You want to we'll stand out the police department? You want the chief and the mayor to walk hand in hand with you down the middle of the road? You got that. We, whatever you want, you have. What you promised us in return is that the protest will be peaceful. And they wanted no police presence. So we had the SWAT team like in the next town mm-hmm. and we gave them everything they wanted. And the, in Bergen County, people don't know that there was in, in Ridgewood, there were 500 people protested three, four weeks in a row every weekend. In Englewood, there was 3000 people protested every Saturday for a, two or three months. In Hackensack, there was a protest with over a thousand people one night at the courthouse steps. And that was the protest that Dorian Dorson organized. And when it got dark, the crowd was getting a little unruly and a little uh, rowdy. And Mm -hmm. he got to the microphone and he basically, he calmed the crowd down. He said that we have an agreement with these people. They gave us all this. They gave us microphones. They gave us the steps. They let us be here and protest. And and it's all right. And be heard. And we promised them that it would be peaceful. And he calmed the crowd down again. And he reminded them of that. And we were very impressed with him. And my chief spoke to him afterwards and he indicated that he wanted to be a police officer or a detective, that he was he was working part-time as a security guard. He was a single parent. And um, we were so impressed with him that I, I met with him and I told him if he agreed to go back to college, that I would hire him as an agent. And he did, and I did. And then I told him if he would continue on to college and get a four-year degree, I would hire him as a detective. And he did, and I did. And he's now a detective in our office. Wow, that's and great. it just kind of shows that we want people from diverse background. But on top of that, the icing on the cake is that then he approached the chief and, and he said, you know, I have an idea. And we're like, let's let's hear your idea. And his idea was that he wanted to have something called a candid conversation with the recruits at the academy. He wanted to tell the recruits what it's like to be a young black man, be pulled over by a young police officer, young wow. usual white police officer. Or now that we our, our, our police academy is very, very diverse. You've got to see, like, we, we graduate 90 recruits to yeah. twice a year, very diverse. But he wanted to be able to go in there and to talk to maybe some young white police officers and tell them, listen, I've been pulled over as a young black man. This is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? Let's have this difficult conversation here and the confines of the Bergen Police Academy in a, in a classroom rather than have that conversation or that confrontation on the street for the first time. Yeah. And that now has blossomed and grown into the fact that we bring him in and we don't tell them that he's a detective. We bring in a Muslim who's actually the chief of police, Bergenfield, and we don't tell them that he's a chief of police. We bring in someone from the LBGT community. We bring in someone from the Asian community. So we bring all these people in from all these different diverse backgrounds and have them speak to the recruits. These are young recruits that aren't police officers yet. And the candid conversations are like, what do you think when you look at me? The conversations are very candid. Wow. But people work through their preconceived, inherent prejudices, right? Biases. Mm -hmm. And it's really an exercise where, and I've been there and I've seen it and it's powerful, where people kind of, at the end of the conversation, kind of say, you know what? I I, I understand now, you know, we're different, but we're the same. Right. We also then try to instill and ingrain into the the new recruits that, listen, your job is to serve your community. It's your responsibility to know about your community. And these candid conversations, I think, uh, helps, obviously. Um, And again, it's something where I wouldn't have thought of that, but it took a person like Dorian Dawson to think of that. And that's where we need diversity in our ranks because everybody brings something else and different to the table. Stephanie Moore of Felicia University here, talking with Bergen County Prosecutor Mark Musella. I got to tell you that being a prosecutor is a very rewarding job because you kind of have the control 
you have that power to do the right thing every day. As a defense attorney, you kind of come in with hat in hand, kind of saying, listen, this is what I think should be done. But if you have a good credibility and the fact that I was a prosecutor kind of made me be able to be fair on both sides of the table. And the fact that I was a defense attorney and I was a public defender, I public defended in 14 towns at night. And that's representing people in all those towns for that are indigent kind of gave me a better understanding about like people do things not because they're bad, but people do things because sometimes the circumstances they find themselves in Mm -hmm. and not people listen there's some people that are evil like i said before there's some people that do heinous horrible things and they have to go to jail and so i know like when that has to be but i also know when people need maybe a helping hand people need people need just to be lifted up people need to be to be helped so that's where when it was time for them to pick a prosecutor in bergen county that really i can't i think i distinguished myself from the other candidates was that i was a prosecutor and I was a defense attorney. I was able to be tough when I have to be tough, but I could also be empathetic, sympathetic, and understanding when I have to be. It's not about sending people to jail. It's not, not about wins or losses. It's about doing the right thing every day. And that's why I, lo- I love going to work every day. And I think that's why the people in my office like to go to work every day. I see everyone. The attitude is people think like prosecutors get in a room. It's like, how can we get, how can we screw this guy and send him to jail? And it's not that. It's people right. get in a room and it's about how can we help this person? How can we get this person treatment? How can we keep this person out of jail? How can we help the victim? How can we educate the public? How can we better serve our community? And that's what makes the prosecutor's office such such a great place to work. And again, like so, so that's my path to get here. It's been 35 years as an attorney. I have uh, one more year to go. I've been speaking to uh, you know the uh, people in the places of <laughs> positions, like the governor and the senators and. Hopefully, uh, I'll get another five-year term. Uh, if I'm blessed enough to do that, I, I would love to do that because I'd like to continue the work that we've started. And um, that's that's how I got here, and that's, uh, that's, that's a little bit about what the BCPO is all about. Much thanks to Bergen County Prosecutor Mark Nisella. I'm Felician University student Stephanie Moore, and thank you for listening to this installment of the Bergen Line Community Conversations a podcast series from Felician and the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office. We'll be talking to you next time. This podcast has been a production of Radio Felician, the voice of the Franciscan University of New Jersey. The views expressed are solely those of the hosts and guests and are not official statements of Felician University. Visit Radio Felician on the web anytime at radiofelician.com. Want to send an email? Reach out at radiostation at felician.edu. Radio Felician, the Falcon.